We've been in a series called uh, All in the Family, and we've, I still get a little bit of feedback. Uh, and we've been, we talked about marriage, and uh, now we're talking about raising kids, and we're talking about raising kids God's way. I know uh, there's a lot out there today, and we started this message last week, and there's a lot of different opinions, there's a lot of different attitudes. I remember when Aaron and I were going through map training to be uh, foster parents, <laughs> one of the uh, social workers called people that spanked their children uh, serial abusers. <coughs> and uh, I kind of kept my mouth shut at that point. Uh, and I, so I know there's a lot of different ideas and attitudes and understandings, and you have your own opinions, and I have my own opinion. But we're not talking about opinions in this series. We're talking about what the Bible has to say. Uh, I don't want to raise your children. I don't want to come into your home and set your rules. And I'm sure you don't want me to do that. But what I do want to do is share with you what the word has to say, what the Bible has to say about what we are supposed to do as parents, how we are supposed to be as parents when it comes to raising our children. Third John verse four is our text. If you'd stand with me, as we read God's word this morning, it's a very short verse, very simple verse. It says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. Most important part of being a parent, is, uh, most, I, should, I should say the most joyful heart a parent can have is to know that their children are following truth. You may be seated. Just like a strong godly marriage is the foundation of a strong home, strong godly adults are the foundation of raising godly children. The principles that I'm bringing out in this series, and it's going to be four or five weeks in this message, they can apply whether you are a team in your home or whether you're a single parent. I know single parents are given, uh, you, you've been given a, a big task raising children on your own. Even if you are the, part, the, the parent that is not, uh, doesn't have legal custody of the child and you only get to see your, your kids once in a while, you can still put these principles into place. Your children, and you may have come from dysfunction and your children may have had a dysfunctional start, but there is always time to bring it back to functionality. There is always time to incorporate Christian biblical principles into the way you raise your children. It doesn't matter what generation you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, doesn't matter your age, if you're a parent, as a parent, you have the greatest responsibility that could ever be given to a human being, and that is raising children. Andy Stanley, I gave you this quote last week, was actually on our Facebook page, and I think our Instagram, is that where it was? Yes, Instagram, I don't do Instagram, but it's, it's there. Instachat, Insta, I have no idea. Instabook, yes, yes. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Andy Stanley said that. The greatest contribution you make to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Dr. Tony Evans told us this, it is easier to shape a child than to repair an adult. Much easier. And Matthew 2, 6, uh, 16 verse 26 says, for what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange 
for his life. I shared all these with you last week, and I want to share them again this week to kind of give you a review and, and remind you of where we're going with this. That question, what does it profit someone to gain the whole world yet lose their soul, I think is a very pertinent question that can be applied to our child raising, can be applied to our families. What good is it if you have all the wealth in the world, but your children don't have an example, but your children don't have someone to look up to in the home? The answer to the question, I believe, is nothing is greater. Nothing is more important than raising your children. That's why it's imperative that those of us who follow Jesus know what his word has to say about raising our children. Quick review of the three points that we talked about last week. What we need to do, what your children need to see in their parents in the home. The first thing was this. They need to know that you trust God. Remember that? They need to know that you trust God. Your children need to know that God is important in your life, and not just important in your life, but that you trust God for the decisions you make and the way you live your life. Your kids need to see that. If they don't have that example in, a ho in the home, I saw a study from, it was a, a European study. It was an amazing number of all children who are raised in a home where the father is not committed and faithful to church, 70 per, um, yeah, 70% of those kids don't become faithful to church when they become adults. If both parents are not faithful to church, the number swells to 96% of children that will not be faithful to church when they become adults. The responsibility you have to be an example to your child, to show your children that faith in God matters and it's important, is unbelievable. And the results of your living before them, Jesus Christ, are, they have eternal, eternal uh, consequences, not just eternal consequences, but present consequences for their lives as well. The second point we made was this, they need to know that you truly love them. They need to know that you truly love them. Remember, I said this, and I said this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it was also very true, and I hope that you took it the way I, I said it. You don't always have to like your kids or what they do, but they need to know that no matter what, you love them. You don't always have to like what your child does, but they do need to know that no matter what, you love them. By the way, parents, even those times when your child looks at you, I know none of you have had this happen to you, but when your child looks at you and says, I hate you, that happens, that happens in the teen years, right? Parents turn around and yell, and, and the kids turn around and say that. I'm sure none of you said that to your parents when you were growing up. Um, <laughs> um, even in those times, your children need to know that you love them. And the third point was this, they need you to be a godly example. I gave you this quote, if we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. That brings us to point number four. They need you to model a love for the Bible. Remember, now, some of you may say, well, wait a minute, that's not what I learned in psychology class. Well, of course you did. We're talking about raising children according to the Bible. 
And if you're going to raise your children according to the Bible, your children need to see you model for them a love for the Word of God. One of the things I love most in our home or in the car when we're playing music, we usually play K-Love or, or, or the Q if we're in range of the Q, um, or we play music from our phones. And now that, now that the boys are in Sunday school, now they're learning in Awana, they're learning all these verses, they'll hear, they'll hear, they'll hear a song and they'll say, that, or, or they'll we'll, we'll say a verse, either way it goes, they're like, we learned that in Sunday school. We learned that verse in Sunday school because many of the songs that we sing or hear have Bible verses in them. And I love that my boys can now recognize the fact that much of what they call Jesus music is based on the Bible. And I love that my sons are seeing that we model for them a love for the word of God. Your children need that. We do this by being a living testimony of the principles of the Word of God. How do you show your kids, how do you model for them a love for the Word of God? Well, you do that by being a living testimony of the principles of His Word, of the, of the Bible. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Who knows what is contained in Galatians 5, 22 and 23? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Do you show your children the fruit of the Spirit? Do you live your life in such a way that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. That was the, the old King James translation there. Do you show those things to your children? Do you model them? If you do, you're modeling for them the fruit of the Spirit. How are you going to show your children a love for the Bible? By living your life in such a way that you are showing them that the Bible matters enough to you for you to share with them and live before them how the Bible tells you to live. Living the word of God is not just for those outside of your home. That's a bonus. Your task as a parent is to, is to get into your children the teachings of the word of God and then model for them what the Bible has to say, not because you're trying to indoctrinate them, but because you're trying to raise them with a sense of morality and biblical understanding. You need to live, this is one that, that we don't talk about much anymore, but it's from the Sermon on the Mount. You need to live the Beatitudes and have an attitude towards your children that would show them the importance of the Beatitudes that Jesus taught. We find that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. You need to wear the armor of God before your children in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Your mind needs to be protected with the helmet of salvation. You know one way that we do that, parents? We watch what we put on our TVs. We, there's, there, I know, <laughs> there's, this app, there's this app called VidAngel. I don't know if anybody uses it. It's called VidAngel. And it's, it's an app made by Christians and it helps you, allows you to filter out uh, put filters on your TV shows so that your children aren't seeing things that you don't want them to see. I could argue that you probably shouldn't be showing those movies to your kids in the first place, 
but be that as it may, it's there. And there are those people that don't understand what we're trying to do, and those people who just don't have enough common sense to realize that eight-year-old children shouldn't be watching amazingly graphic and overly whatever, I think you understand what I'm saying, kind of shows. And people call that censorship. <laughs> They're saying it's censorship. No, it's called being a good parent. It's called being a good parent. You show your children you protect your mind with the helmet of salvation by what you allow in your home on your TV screens, by the kind of music you allow yourself to listen to and your children. Because what you see and what you listen to is what they're seeing and what they're listening to as well. The breastplate of righteousness, do you protect the passion of your heart with the word of God? Do you protect the passion of your marriage with the word of God? Wearing the armor of God. And I've, I prayed about this next point. And uh, it's a shame that we have to say this nowadays. It truly is. I think it's a, it's, it's a terrible shame. And I know some of you are going to be upset with me saying this. And we can have a conversation later on if you'd like. But... I'm going to say it. <laughs> Folks, you need to teach your children what the Bible has to say about marriage and gender. You need to teach them what the Bible has to say about marriage and gender. You know why? Because the world is going to tell them what they think. My boys are going into fifth grade. They've gone in through fourth grade already. And they're already dealing with this. I was in a, a support group where the speaker who runs a DCF office for the state of Massachusetts says that they have two-year-olds, two-year-olds that are trying to decide whether they're boys or girls. You're a fool. I'm just, I'm just going to be straight up. If you think a two-year-old has the sense to determine whether or not they're a boy or a girl, you've lost your mind. You've absolutely lost your mind. That is one of the most, that is one of the, not only is it ridiculous, I think it's one of the most hell-born concepts that is alive in this country today. <laughs> Two-year-olds can barely talk. Folks, go back to the quote I made earlier. If you don't teach your children to follow the word, to, to follow the word of God, to follow Jesus, the world will teach them not to. And if you leave a void in, your, in, the, in the life of your child, I'm sorry that we have to, that I incorporate myself with this because I have two 10-year-old boys. I'm sorry that we have to teach our children these basic human things, but we have to. You can't choose your gender. You're born that way. That's just the fact of the matter. The Bible clearly says God created man and woman. He didn't create, he they, them. He created man and woman. I'm sorry. You can call yourself whatever you want. You can, you can use whatever pronouns for yourself you want. I'm going to say man or woman. That's my freedom and that's my right. And if I offend you, we can talk about it. We also need to teach our children what the Bible says about marriage. We've had to have this conversation with our boys. By the way, those of you who say, Pastor John, you don't know what it's like. You're a pastor. You're, a, you're not in touch with the world, blah, 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 blah. You want to know why I understand this personally? Come and talk to me. 
This is a personal matter for me. I understand this more than you can possibly imagine. So you need to teach your children that God says marriage is between a man and a woman, but it's legal in this country. Okay, I get it. I get it. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's according to the word of God. So we need to understand there's a difference many times. And, and I've been approached about doing same-sex marriages. We had, her, I know Cliff, I think Cliff was in, in, in the church. Cliff and Sue were in the church. Don and Mike might have been back then. We had to actually put something into our church constitution that says we will not do that. Because the state of Massachusetts was trying to force churches Listen, I, I have the right to marry or not marry anybody I want. Just because, I have a, 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 just because I'm ordained doesn't mean I have to marry everybody that comes down the road. Folks, if you, let, if you let that slide, if you don't take action and teach your children what the Bible has to say about these things, the world is going to tell them what, the, what they have to say about it. And I know it's, it's a tough matter right now. Believe me, I've, I've had it, I've, and I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, I'm going to hear it because I said this in a sermon today. But the time has come for us to say what needs to be said. And your children need to know the truth about these things. People can choose whatever they want. That's entirely up to them. I am not being hateful. I'm not being unloving. I'm not being angry. If you want to, if, if you're a man and you want to wear women's clothes, knock yourself out. I guess a nice pair of pumps on a hot summer day, I don't know. I don't know. But if that's what you, if you're a woman, you want to wear man's clothes, knock yourself out. But it doesn't make you, doesn't make a man that wears women's clothes a woman, and it doesn't make a woman who wears man's clothes a man. Same thing applies. If, if just because you stand in a garage doesn't make you a car. So, <laughs> like that, Lewis. So, folks, I'm not going to belabor this point, but it needs to be said. And your children need to know the truth. Does that mean they have to go in and, and, hold, and hold a protest march in the school? No, not at all. I think we, we say the truth with love. But they do need to know the truth. What they do with that truth when they become older is up to them. But they need to hear it. How else do we model love for the Bible before our children? We do it by sharing testimonies of God's goodness and God's grace. Parents, if you're blessed by God in your homes, your children need to hear it. Not, hey, we got an unexpected blessing in the mail. You know, we got extra money in the mail. Look at what God did for us. Your, your, your car, the repairs on your car doesn't doesn't amount to as much as you thought it was going to be. Hey, look at what God did for us. Your kids need to have, hear you share testimonies of the goodness of God to your family often, early and often in their lives. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. Do you praise God that you are a born-again believer? Do you praise God that your eternal home is in heaven before your children? They need to hear it. 
Romans 1.16 tells us, I'm not, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. In Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 18 and 19, we're told, imprint these words of mine on your heart and your minds, bind them as a sign on your hands, and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Folks, we need to let our kids know that God is working in our lives. God is working in our homes. God is working in our church. God has a plan for them. The greatest thing your children need to know is that God has a plan for them. I tell my boys every night when I pray with them and and tuck them in, Aaron and I tuck them in, we pray with them, kiss them. And I tell my boys every night before they go to sleep, God has a big plan for you, Gabriel. I just know he does. God has a big plan for your life, Michael. I just know he does. Because I want my sons to grow up and understand that God has a plan for their life. That yes, the choice to follow him is up to them. But if they choose to follow God, I love love what Elvin had to say this morning about freedom. I I love your your comments up here. Because we have the freedom to choose. And I, I think that's one of the greatest examples of the love of God to us. Is that... He sent his son to die for our sins. He paid the price on the cross for our sins. But the choice to accept him as our savior is left to us. We have that freedom. And I want my boys to know that no matter what road they choose in life, God has a plan. So if they're going to choose God's way, which is what I pray for, God has a path laid out for them. Your kids need to know that. The next point, the next important part of, of raising children in a godly way is this. They need you to command respect. Folks, your children need you to command respect. If you want to have a good conversation someday, uh, not that I do this. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't qualify yet. Uh, go down to a senior center and talk with the folks in the senior center about their attitudes, the way children are being raised today. Oof. Yes, Zach's, yeah, yeah, I'll pass on that. It's amazing. And, and I know some of, that, some of that is cranky old people, and that's where we, we throw that, and people say that. But I'll tell you, folks, you need to command respect from your children. Notice I didn't say demand. Notice up on the screen, it doesn't say you need to demand respect. Because demanding respect is an empty gesture. Those of us who served in the military have officers and NCOs that were above us that demanded respect but didn't command respect. The only reason you saluted that person is because of the rank on their shirt or their sleeve. It had nothing to do with how they did their job. Your children need you to command their respect. Someone once said, kids who never have any accountability for their actions will continue through life thinking nothing is their fault and everything is owed to them. Kids that are not held accountable 
will go through life thinking that nothing is their fault and no one is accountable. Now, I'm going I'm to go ahead and use this illustration. It's a modern day. It's actually right in our faces right now. The young lady who was suspended from the Olympic team. Okay? Listen, I don't really care where you stand on the issue of marijuana. I've never smoked pot in my life. Never have. Just never did. When I went into the army, they threatened me with a uh, fraudulent enlistment for saying I never smoked pot. I was like, I never did, man. I'm sorry. Well, you're a teenager in the 70s. I'm sorry. I never did. I just didn't. Did you you know my father? (laughs) I just... Jeez, I, I valued life more than getting high. I understand. I understand it's legal, and you may think I'm totally against that. I think it's, I think it's terrible that we've legalized it. That's just my view. Um, I think it's, it opens up. It's that slippery slope that everybody talks about. But be that as it may, that's, that's, that's your, your call and your choice. With this individual... She didn't get suspended because she wanted to smoke pot. She got suspended because as an athlete on that team participating in that race, the rules say you don't do drugs. She broke the rules. She's being held accountable for breaking the rules. It's not a racial argument. It's a right and wrong argument. And I've had this discussion with a couple younger people on Facebook. Like, you've got to be consistent. You either want to be held accountable or you don't. You either want to hold people accountable or you don't. You need to be held accountable. We need to be held accountable for our actions. Children who are not held accountable grow up to be adults who won't take responsibility. Children who, don't take it, who aren't held accountable, boys who grow up not being held accountable, become fathers who walk away and don't take responsibility for their children. We need to make sure that we command respect, not demand respect, command respect. There's a big difference. Commanding respect means you live your life in such a way and you treat your children in such a way and you raise them in such a way. All these things that we've talked about already and all that we're going to talk about go to commanding respect. You want to command respect from your children? Love them no matter what. Know that your children know that you love them no matter what. Be consistent with your kids. Hold them accountable. You will command respect. Why is it important to command respect from your children? Because respect leads to obedience. Respect leads to obedience. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says, verses 1 through 3, children obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. I think there's two different aspects as we look at those three verses. The first one is children obey your parents in the Lord. That is something that we do while we live under our parents' roof and while we live under our parents' rule. We, we obey, our children obey their parents and we as a, as Adults can, should be able to look back on a childhood where we obeyed our parents. Well, you know, they're 16 now. They had, no, 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 no. Listen, you, hey, like I said, do whatever you want. Okay? You raise your kids however you want. I believe that as long as they're living under your roof, they should abide by your rules. 
I believe that you are the one in charge of that home. By the way, I'm not the only one that feels that way. God says so too. We get into honoring our parents. Now that's not just as a child, but honoring your parents goes on even today. At, at, at my age, at the age of 58, my dad is 87 years old. I still honor my dad. I still respect my father. I would never think of speaking back to my dad. And I'm 58. I would never think of smarting off to my father. Why? Because my father has commanded my respect throughout my entire life. He loves me. He's always loved me. He raised me with morals and principles, and he raised me according to the word of God. And now, as the roles have kind of been reversed, and I'm his pastor, I still respect my dad. And I still show him the honor that is due my father. You want to know why your relationship with your parents struggles when you're adults? Check and see if you're honoring your parents. Check and see if you are showing them the honor that is due the one that gave you life and the one that raised you and took care of you. Respect doesn't just lead to obedience. Respect leads to honesty. Teaching your children respect leads to them being honest and growing up with honesty being a bedrock principle of their lives. Here's a practical one. Teaching your children to uh, commanding respect from your children leads to manners. Respect leads to manners. Well, manners, manners, manners. Hey, <laughs> manners are important. Manners are important. And I know, that's, I know it, it, that's subjective to how you were raised and what region of the country. But it's important that your children, manners are not just chewing with your mouth closed. <laughs> Manners are also how you treat others, how you speak to others. I, to this day, there are men and women, once again, even at the age of 58, there are men and women in my life that I would never dream of calling by their first name. My boys, my youngest sons, and Zach went through the same thing when he was growing up. There was no way my kids were going to be calling an adult by their first name. No how, no way. Now, you may disagree with that. That's entirely up to you. But I believe that's a, a matter of respect and a matter of honor. Those are manners that our kids are being taught with. However you want to do it, that's a matter of respect. And if they don't know to respect others and respect other adults, they're not going to be able to respect authority. They're not going to be able to respect the authority of God in their lives. And they're not going to respect your authority either. They need you to model respect for others. This is such a vital part of working together in a church. Even a church our size. We're seeing a lot of new people come in as, as people get a little more comfortable coming back after COVID. We're going to see more and more people come back. And even in a church our size, there are disagreements there are differences of opinion. Some of you are listening to me say what I'm saying this morning, saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. 
I appreciate the fact that you respect me enough not to stand up and say that in the middle of a service. But in a church setting, we need to respect each other. In life, we need to respect each other. And your children need to know that you respect others. How, do they, how are they going to know that? First of all, by the way you treat each other in church. But let me drop a bombshell on you. Your children are going to know that you respect others by the way you talk about them in your home. If you smile at everybody here in church and then go home and trash everybody, guess what? Your kids are going to, first of all, think something different about your policies, but they're also not going to have respect for that person because mom and dad don't have respect for that person. You can have those conversations. My wife and I have those conversations. I'm sure Pete and Lori, two of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, I'm sure they have conversations about people that aren't exactly their cup of sunshine. But those conversations need to be had in an adult way, at adult times, not in front of the children. Yeah, they do need to be had. There's no doubt about it. But at the right time, at the right place, in front of the right people. Your children need you to model respect. If this church is going to grow, if this church is going to be unified, if this church is going to move beyond where we are right now and continue the work that we've been doing here for, the, for years, we're going to have to respect each other. You're going to like the choices everybody make, makes and, <laughs> and everybody in the church may not be somebody you want to invite over for Sunday dinner. But you at least need to respect each other. We need to be able to respect and get along and agree without being disagreeable. Leviticus 19.32 says, You are to rise in the presence of the elderly and honor the old. Fear your God. I am the Lord. Colossians 4.6 Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know you have how you should answer each person. Now, this, la this last one we're going to cover today might be pretty difficult for some. So, get ready. Your children need to know that you believe in biblical discipline. Oh. Your children need to know that you believe in biblical discipline. John Eldridge, great Christian author, said the balancing act we parents attempt is, con is convincing our children, one, that you are loved more than you can imagine, and two, the world does not revolve around you. Those are the two big tasks we have as parents. And listen, we, we have some young, very young families in this church. Those of you who have one child... Wait until you have a second. <laughs> yeah, ask Jonathan and Mary. They were, Charlie was, how old was Charlie? Eight? Was he eight when the twins were born? Yeah. Eight years old. Eight years old, Charlie was it. And then, not just one, but two. Two came into the home. Nope. You need to make sure your children know that you love them. 
that they're wonderful, that they're God's blessings, but the world doesn't revolve around them. What that means is you run the household, your child doesn't. Now, you don't necessarily have to go to the, the limits that my generation was raised under that, you know, you have to eat everything and like everything, blah, 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 blah. I'll never like liver. I'll never like it. Never, ever, ever like liver. But that's another story. But your children need to understand those things. And before you turn me off on this point, please hear me out. Because when we talk about discipline, if I, if I had everybody give their, their opinion of what I mean by biblical discipline, would, most people would probably say, you're talking about spanking. And I'm not. I'm not. Okay? Whether you choose to spank your children or not is up to you. Zach was going to put something on Facebook this past week. Uh, I said, uh, in Massachusetts, it's legal to spank your kids. He was going to put on the church Facebook page, come to Massachusetts, it's legal to spank your children. <laughs> like, like, yeah, no, that's not what we're talking about, okay? Discipline is not... Some of you don't spank your children. If it works for you, wonderful, wonderful. And there's a difference, and we'll get into I'm, not, I'm jumping ahead. But please, we're not talking about... I'm not talking about spanking. I'm talking about biblical discipline. Disciplining your children is the greatest investment in their future that you can make. While it is difficult in the, mo in the moment, its payoff lasts a lifetime. Disciplining your children is difficult. It's tough, especially at that time. But it, the payoff of biblical discipline of your children lasts a lifetime for them. There is a difference, and some of you, I know some of you and, and some of your friends that you know, and many people that are motivated this way say they would never spank their children. They don't discipline their children because of the way they were disciplined, and, they, and, and maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you have friends that were abused. I get that. I understand that, and I understand your hesitancy, hesitancy to, towards those things, and that's why I don't come at this saying, you need to spank your kids. How you discipline your children is how you discipline your children, okay? But you need to do it with biblical principles. There's a difference, understand this, there's a difference between discipline and abuse. There's a major difference between discipline and abuse. The Bible never commands you to abuse your children. Never, ever. In fact, nowhere does the Bible say, be tough on your kids because... Nowhere does the Bible say, I, I've had many parents, I've had many, many fathers who just wailed on their sons and, and drove a wedge between them and their boys because they literally beat their boys. Many fathers have told me I was tough on them because I, I wanted to show them what the world was like. I mean, that's not what you're called to do. Nowhere in the Bible does, does it say, be tough on your kids because... But the Bible does say to love and discipline your kids on purpose, for a purpose. Your discipline needs to have a purpose. Your discipline needs to have an end game. It needs to have a goal, a reason why you discipline your children. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your son while there is hope. Don't set your heart on, on being the cause of his death. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. 
What's the difference between discipline and abuse? Discipline is used to attempt to change behavior by teaching that bad actions have negative consequences. That's what discipline is. Whether you spank your children or whether you give timeouts, you need to have a reason why you discipline and your child needs to understand why. They need to understand that they are being disciplined. Man, sometimes you might even want to throw a Bible verse in there. Your kid does something wrong. What does Ephesians 6.1 say? And have them quote it back to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Have them quote that verse back to you before you impose discipline on them. But discipline is used to attempt to change behavior by teaching that bad actions have negative consequences. You're teaching them that as a life lesson because your bad actions as an adult have negative consequences. And we're also teaching them that lesson as followers of Christ. Because when we rebel against God and walk away from his plan in our lives, there are negative consequences in our life. God will remove his hand of blessing on our life if we choose to walk our own way. He will let us go on our own and do things on our own and be left to our own devices. So you're not just teaching your child to obey you. You're teaching them the life lesson that their bad actions have negative consequences. But abuse is a parent being out of control and venting their anger and frustration at a child. By the way, abuse is cyclical in nature. You've heard of breaking the cycle of abuse? Well, that's not just a, just a phrase that's thrown out. Abuse is cyclical in nature. Many times abused children become abusive parents. In fact, 81% of abusive adults were abused as children. Let that number seek, sink in. 81% of, abuse, of abusive adults were abused as children. Why? Because that's what was modeled for them. That's what was modeled for them. There's a difference between abusiveness and discipline. Colossians 3.21 is a verse that, boy, I, <laughs> this might be something you want to put on your, on your mirror or, or maybe something, if, you, if you've got children that are just getting on your last nerve all the time and you just want to pull your hair out or scream and before you take it out on your children, your anger and your frustration, you need to understand what Colossians 3.21 says. Children, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Remember, the, the discipline you impose on your child may be because of their bad action, but you need to be the one that is in control of the discipline by being in control of yourself. That word provoke can also be translated antagonize, exasperate, embitter, or aggravate. Don't push your children to the point where they are going to explode on you. Don't embitter your children by picking on them. In other words, don't bully your kids. Yeah, you're the adult. Once again, act like it. Act like the adult. Don't bully your kids. Don't push them around. Don't use them as, as, uh, as slaves in the home, as indentured servants. Treat them with love. Treat them with the respect they, they deserve as a child. 
Let them know who the adult is, but don't abuse your kids. And don't push your kids to the point where they hate you, <laughs> where they really do. Many times when a kid says, I hate you, they're just speaking out of anger in their heart. They don't really mean it. Don't ever push your kids to the point where they really do hate you <laughs> because of the way you treat them and the way you've treated them. There is a time for discipline. There is never a time for abuse. Now, we read the verse that is usually translated, spare the rod and spoil the child, right? We've all heard, everybody heard that, spare the rod, spoil the child? Everybody thinks and interprets that as being a verse that says, spank your children, spank your children, spank your children. Listen, spank your children if you want, okay? If that's your way of, if that's your way of discipline, spank your children. In my home, I'll say it live on Facebook, I spanked my children. I believe in that, in, in that kind of discipline. But this verse, the word rod there is not talking about physically spanking your child. The word rod there is in reference to a shepherd's hook. With a shepherd's hook, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd guides the sheep. A, a shepherd uh, directs his sheep with that hook. That's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the rod. If you don't use the rod of correction, whether that's your words, whether that's timeout, whether that's spanking, whether that's sending them to their room, whether that's a chair in the corner. Anybody ever had to sit on a chair in the corner? Yeah. We didn't have that in my house when I was a kid. We didn't, Donna, did we? We didn't have a chair in the corner. We just got spanked. <laughs> Whatever your form of discipline is, it needs to be done with the purpose of directing your children and leading them in the right way. That's what the rod of correction is talking about. So that's what I meant when I said at the beginning, biblical discipline may not be exactly what you think. Okay, I believe the Bible does talk about and, and okays you spanking your child if that's what you choose. Let me just say this as well, and this is, a, this is just an aside to all this. Please, if you spank your children, be very careful. Be very careful. Never, ever spank your children when you're angry. Never spank your children when you're angry. That will lead to abuse. Be in control of yourself. Same goes with if you verbally discipline your children. Never verbally discipline your children when you're angry. Words might come out of your mouth that aren't pleasing to God and aren't fit for little ears. Always make sure your discipline is motivated with love and motivated by self-control. But understand the rod of correction is simply something that you use to discipline your children to guide them along the right path. That's your job as a parent. Whatever form of discipline you use, it must have a purpose and a long-term plan. By the way, parents, those of you who are parenting in a two-parent home, you need to be on board together with your style of discipline. You need to be on board together, not only with your style of discipline, but your purpose of discipline. This needs to, though, for those of you who, are, who don't have children, who are talking about having children, 
Let me save you a lot of grief in the long run. Have that conversation now. Have the conversation now about how you're going to discipline your children. It's a very important conversation to have, and it's a very important point to be on board with together. Because if you're not together on things, you know what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to raise children that, that will say, go to mom and say, hey, mom, can I do this? And mom will say, no. And they'll say, oh, I'll go to dad. And they'll go to dad, and dad will say, yes. And now you've got division between mom and dad. And uh, my children would never do that. <laughs> really? I mean, I, I always ask, but when parents come to me and say, and when they say that, I always say this to them. Did you do that? Did you do that as a kid? Yep. Well, uh, uh, but I was, no, 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 no. You did that as a kid. Don't expect your children not to do that. That's what a kid does, man. That's what a kid does. That's why we discipline. That's why we take the stands we do. That's why we do the things we do as parents. <laughs> a lot of it is motivated because we know what we were like as children. What are some goals of basic biblical discipline? First of all, to build character and integrity. I believe biblical discipline if done right, disciplining your children right, however you choose to discipline your kids, one of the most important purposes that you are, you are laying in your child's life is the idea of building character and integrity. What does that mean? That means your kids take responsibility for their actions. That means your kids are held accountable for what they say and what they do. And yes, parents, I'll reiterate this. Yes, your children will do that. <laughs> My child would never say that. Yeah, he would. Yeah, she would. Okay, so just accept it. Your child isn't the only, your child isn't the exception to the human rule. Your child is a human being and is going to do things that would shock you. The second, the second goal of biblical discipline is to teach them to take responsibility, as we already said. The third one, and this is where some people don't want to hear this about their kids, but the th a third reason for biblical discipline is to break their stubborn will. It's to break their stubbornness. Listen, if you've ever managed some, if you've ever been a manager or ever been in charge uh, at, a, at a job site, you could tell kids who were raised just to be able to do whatever they want. Truly, man. I... I've had to fire people because they just wouldn't take direction. In basic training, <laughs> it was funny. It was very funny to watch the guys come in that were given free reign in the home. It was, a, it was pretty comical because drill sergeants have a way of dealing with that and there's really no restriction <laughs> on them. My, my drill sergeant, Staff Sergeant Huddicourt, six foot six, had made over 500 jumps out of an airplane he was a Vietnam vet. He looked at us and he said, I'll clean the language up. <laughs> he said, I don't give a bleep. I'll throw you down the stairs. Call your congressman. I don't care. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so if you don't want your child to face that, <laughs> then teach, 
then teach them discipline for the right reason. It will teach them, it will, one of the goals of discipline is to break that stubbornness in them so that they will be open to teaching, open to direction, open to leading of others. Your child isn't always going to be the one in charge. Many times your child is going to be a follower. You know one thing you're doing by the way you model discipline to your children? You're teaching them how to be a good church member. Because your child might not be the pastor of the church. Your child might be a church member who needs to follow leadership. That brings it down personal, doesn't it? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will separate it from them. You want to break their stubborn will, but you don't want to break their spirit. You don't want to break their spirit. You want to encourage them. That's why after the time of discipline is over, you need to give them a big hug and a kiss and say, I love you. And every time your child says, I love you, you need to say, I love you back. It doesn't matter if it's 20 times a day. You need to tell the, that child, you need to tell your child you love them. Those of you who have kids that can't talk right now, you let them know you love them. Say, I love you as much as you can. They need to know that. Another goal for biblical discipline is to lead them to obedience and righteousness in God's sight. You want them to obey you so that they'll learn to obey God and learn to be righteous in his eyes. Choose his way. Listen, I've had enough of, you, of losing this younger generation. I've had enough of it. I've had enough of people walking away from church. I've had enough of young people turning to society and wanting to be involved in society more than they want to be involved in church. Parents, we need you to raise your children, to follow Jesus Christ, to be obedient to his will, and to desire righteousness in their lives. Not their brand of righteousness. That goes back to breaking their stubborn will. See, stubbornness says, that's your morality, not mine. But a contrite spirit before God says, God, it's your morality that I want in my life. There's a big difference. And as we end, close this out, let me just say this. You can't just be a disciplinarian. Let me remind you, your child needs to know that you love them. I'll close it out with this quote from Dr. Tony Evans. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Folks, what is the goal of you raising your children? Have you even thought about that? Have you even thought about how you are raising your children, what you're putting into it, what your purpose is? Do you have a plan? Are you doing it according to the word of God? It's important. Our children are, are our number one uh, asset for the future. They need to be raised according to the word of God. How are you raising your kids? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for those who were able to be here this morning. Lord, those who were able, willing to get up an hour early and brave the uh, traffic here in East Long Meadow to get here today. Thank you for those who joined us online, Father. God, I thank you for children, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for families, and I thank you for the way you constructed Amer uh, human society and the responsibility that you give us. 
Father, I pray for every parent that is represented in this church, young or old, whether their kids are at home or whether their kids have grown. I pray for those who are considering becoming parents. God, I pray your blessing on them. I pray your leadership on them. I pray your, pray your wisdom on them. God, would you give us all what we need to raise our children your way? Lord, it's awfully difficult today because there are so many people screaming at us, so many different uh, sides coming at us and telling us that we're wrong. But God, I pray that we'll have the courage to stand up and appropriate your principles from your word to raise the children that you've given to us. Lord, bless us now as we go from this place. I pray that you'll uh, allow us to have a great day of fellowship today. May we honor you in all that we do, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>